The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And this is going to be kind of a departure from what we usually do here. We won't be talking any prospects today. But I will have my fully updated top 400 prospect rankings on the site Tuesday. And then next week's show, we'll be discussing that. Uh, but today, we're going to be focusing on Dynasty Talk and specifically the Dyn- or the Highlander Dynasty Invitational. I've got Jesse Roach joining me from Baseball Prospectus. And Brett Sayer from Baseball Prospectus will also be hopping on uh, when he can to uh, discuss this. Uh, But what we're really going to be doing is going team by team. And everyone in this league had to select a fan favorite keeper by May 15th, one single keeper that they took in the fifth round or later of the startup draft. And so we're going to be going team by team, analyzing each selection there. Uh, But Jesse, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always great to be on the podcast. And I'm really excited to talk about all these interesting decisions that all these owners had to make because this is a player that you have to designate pretty early. You know, it's May 15th was the deadline and you're locking yourself into this player for three years as a keeper. So it's a big decision. And uh, I know that it was difficult for me, and I'm sure that it was very difficult for a lot of people. Um, I know that I, and we'll get to it, but I selected a pitcher, and you know, hoping that a pitcher is not only healthy but performing for three straight years is a tall task. Yeah, and that's like this. If you if you nail this pick, you're going to be in really good shape um, for the the next three years, as you said, because that kind of could give you some level of a, a leg up on the rest of the teams. Uh, inevitably, a few of these picks are not going to pan out. Uh, that could be a pitcher for for injury-related issues. It could be a hitter. I mean, I think there were some hitters selected uh, by, by managers that maybe going into the startup draft, they would have been surprised if you told them that this was going to be the, the hitter they selected as their fan favorite. But uh, inevitably, some of the the guys that we took and and had high hopes for didn't pan out. Um, but I think this is going to be a really uh, eye opening to kind of talk to. Uh, and we are going to be talking to some of these uh, managers and and discussing what went through their uh, thought process with these picks. And uh, I think we're actually going to just do that right off the jump. Um, Ken Ken Balderson, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me on. 
Yeah, thanks so much for for being on. And you are our first guest. Uh, and you selected Logan Gilbert as your fan favorite. So you have Logan Gilbert uh, for for three years. Um, he was your sixth round pick in the startup draft. Uh, was this was this an easy call for you? Um, it, it was and it wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I really like him as a player. Uh, I'm a fan of his and I'm a fan of the Mariners and everything that they're doing, uh, the talent that they're bringing up. Um, you know, he's got a good pitch mix. Uh, I project him to be a good pitcher, uh, for quite a while, but at the same time, you know, I I didn't, like Jesse said, I didn't really want to go into this, taking a pitcher, uh, in that I guess we can trade them, but it's really difficult to trade one of our fan favorites. And, uh, you know, over a three-year period, if he's out with Tommy John or something, worst case scenario, that's almost half of that. And in the league, this deep 20, 20 teams deep, we're already seeing it. Like you can't lose assets like that, let alone a building block. So yeah, there's some risk there, but I, I think he was just my best player that I had, uh, that I could choose from, from the fifth round on. Yeah. I mean, I really like Logan Gilbert and I think he's, done a lot of fun interesting things this year his pitch mix has changed a little bit uh the shape and velocity of his changeup and slider have changed and i think that they're going to be more viable offerings to support his elite fastball because he does have elite fastball and that's the draw for gilbert because not only does it have velocity it averages over 95 miles an hour but it has elite extension which allows it to play up even more you know it comes out hitters hitters perceive it at over 97 miles an hour. So it's an elite pitch, his fastball. And if his secondaries can take a step forward to go with this solid command, he legitimately has like top 10 starter upside. Yeah. And that's something that I looked into is the usage of his, his change up and his curveball, And they're both as secondaries up just below 10% usage, um, which with a young pitcher, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he can improve both pitches a little bit. Uh, so if he doesn't have command of the slider in a game, instead of getting bombed with this only throwing a fastball, he has something else that he can rely on. And I, and I think his change is showing that when he can command it uh, and get it at the bottom of the zone can be a, a good pitch for him. All four of his pitches are getting over 20% whiff rates this year. And uh, I think three of them are over 25% on that. So there is a lot of hope for him. Um and and uh, and I think the Mariners Mariners are going to win a lot of games, maybe not this year, but they have a lot of things going for them. And um, you don't want to count on wins, but it is a category. Uh, I think Gilbert with his control can go pretty deep into games, uh, which you know with some good run support is a good uh, indicator of, of where wins might come from. Yeah, your your fifth round pick was Alex Kirilov, who. Uh, I'm guessing, you know, if we'd asked you right after the the startup draft, you might have thought that Kirilov would have been your fan favorite. Uh, yeah, he absolutely was. And I was debating uh, between Kirilov and Andrew Vaughn, uh, who Brett took right before me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I maybe underestimated how ready he was or underestimated his wrist, which uh, I just assumed that having wrist surgery would – make that better but um it doesn't seem to have and you know now he's down in the minors and that that took him right off the table he wasn't really an option after that uh, i looked at jd martinez as well um good power hitter good track record but um you know he's 34 and I'm a, i just really wasn't ready to 
you know, gamble down and say, yeah, when he's 36, he, he's going to be my guy. And uh, Luis Urias is another guy that I looked at. Uh, the position eligibility is a real asset in this league. Uh, people are going to get hurt. And uh, if he can fill in for me somewhere, that's great. Um, but, uh, you know, his, his fly ball rate increased last year. And when we had to make the decision, I just had such a small sample from this year to see if it was something that he could keep going. And apparently he is, but um, I think even beyond that, I just felt that Logan Gilbert was had the upside to be a better player. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with the pick. Yeah. I guess, and I guess for context purposes, uh, for those who are not familiar with the league setup, there are 14 active hitters per team, 20 team league. That's 280 active hitters at any one time in the major leagues. You don't have that many active hitters. So there's been a huge premium place on hitting uh, within this league, especially depth. Uh, so, you know, you do make a great point with his Luis Urias's positional eligibility is very valuable, but I do do personally prefer Gilbert. I, I agree. I think he has more upside long-term and even short-term than Luis Urias. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a deep league with the, there's not even really any at bats on the wire. Mm -hmm. So I mean, everybody wants major league hitters. Everybody wants innings. Uh, there's not really any solos or anything like that. So they're in demand. Ken, before I let you go, what's your, uh, what, where do you sort of see yourself in this league in terms of when, like, do you think you can make a run this year? Or are you, are you kind of looking ahead to, to next year? Where, where you, where do you sort of stand right now? Um, so I, I got off, uh, quite a few injuries to begin the year. Um, I've regained quite a few points and, um, I'm hoping to at least come in the top half of the league, like in 10th and above, um, just with the number of people that are in this league, I just want to show to myself that I can hang with some of these guys. Um, but, uh, I also don't want to quit. I don't like giving up on a season. Uh, so I want to come in at least 10th or higher and, uh, I don't, I don't know if I have a shot to win it. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of trading this year, uh, acquiring some extra bats just in the last week. So I think the top teams have stocked up, but um, I'm still going to keep pushing as far forward as I can. Well, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, Ken. So that was, yeah, that was interesting because, I mean, I thought Kirloff would have probably been the guy, but I'm, I'm pretty worried about him. I mean, I, I don't know what your level of concern is uh, with Kirloff. I'm, I mean, I'm very, very worried. This is like, this is an ongoing several year long issue for him with the wrist. And, uh, you know, I just don't, these types of things can linger. And, you know, he has flash, of course, you know, with the barrel rates that he showed early on last year before before his injury. And, you know, we've seen him perform in the minors, you know, the reports remain glowing, uh, but yeah, the, it's too risky to, in, you know, this is a three-year investment you're making right here, like locked in and with very little room to actually trade this player. Uh, you want to try and get a more stable player like Gilbert in this, with this pick, I think. Yeah. I think it, it was a probably an easy call for Ken. Uh, let's let's talk about some of the teams that aren't going to be able to join us. Uh, we'll start with Smata, who is in third place, but it's really tight at the top. Uh, we got Eddie Almaguer in in first, uh, Jeff Ponce in second, 
uh, Smata in third, but they're they're about two points separating those three teams. Uh, prospects live, <laughs> yeah, the the prospects live guys uh, yeah. showing out. Uh, Smata was actually in talks with me and and some other teams. I think about trading for a fan favorite that he uh, had a bit more confidence in, um, but wasn't able to pull anything off, and he ended up taking. Uh, Glaber Torres is his fan favorite, who he uh, selected in the eighth round. Uh, what do you think about that pick? I think given his options, I like the Torres pick. He's been a, on a bit of a heater. And, you know, we've seen him perform in the past. He's still, you know, young, just 25 years old. He has a, you know, career high average exit velocity so far this year. He's making a ton of contact. You know, expected stats, of course, adore him due to that, you know, contact and elite rates of contact, he's always been a pretty good hitter. Uh, and if he can put it all together, I think it'll look really good later on down the year. Uh, but yeah, like I said, there's just, were not many great options for Samada at this pick. And I think Torres was probably the best. Yeah. I know he told me that he thought Framiel Reyes, who was his fifth round selection would, would be his guy here. And, uh, you know, I think wisely pivoted to Glaber and I think the point that you were making when we were talking to Ken just about how many hitters have to be started in this league, maybe Glaber never becomes sort of the you know elite four category guy that that maybe we he could have been uh, when he was a prospect or coming off of like 2019. But if he's just you know a solid guy that hits for a, a decent average with you know 20 homers and he's playing a lot and he's in a good lineup like that that still carries a, a ton of value especially just given his age yeah i think the greatest concern with torres is that playing time you know the yankees are going to be demanding production and i think prior to his most recent heater there was going to be concern that he was going to lose out on playing time to players like dj lemehu um you know isaiah Connor falefa has brought been brought in uh josh donaldson and when that line's fully healthy it's going to be hard to fit all those bats in so uh he's going to have to continue to perform but again you know the yankees have him as a cost control player for a while still and you know you have to imagine they're going to give him every opportunity to perform let's talk about uh Jeff Ponce, uh and, and his selection of, of Kevin Gaussman, uh, who was his fifth round pick in the startup. So, uh, you know, kind of went chalk with that, I guess. Uh, Jeff, like I said, he's in second place, doing very well. Uh, what do you think about the, the decision to go with a pitcher, albeit a very good pitcher, who was the 100th overall pick in the startup draft and Kevin Gaussman? Um, I think it made a lot of sense, given obviously Galsman's performance this year has been amazing. And but there's a lot of risk too, because Galsman's going to be 32 years old later this year. Uh, you're committing to him not only this year, but three more years, and so he's basically committing to Galsman through his age 35 season. And I think that is kind of a risky play because you know players decline. We're seeing it across baseball uh, already this year, and you know, there's a chance that, you know, Galsman is just declines steeply quickly, but he is a pitcher and pitchers do often do not decline quite as steeply as, as quickly as hitters do. So um, given his present performance, I think it does make sense, but, you know, obviously he's performing really well this year, Jeff Ponce. And I think he had a lot of great options at this pick. And I was thinking maybe it could be Gavin Lux even. Um, he had Jose Altuve who he could have selected with this pick as well. Um, but, Ultimately, I think that Galsman was the right choice. 
Right. He had uh, Altuve, who he took in the sixth, Hanniger in the seventh, Darvish in the eighth, Chapman, Matt Chapman in the ninth, and then Gavin Lux in the tenth. Uh, and Jeff's team is is certainly a win now team. So uh, that probably factored into the Gaussman selection as well. Uh, Jeff probably is is hoping to, to win the league this year, maybe compete next year. Uh, so, you know, maybe Gaussman isn't looking like the greatest pick in like three years, but you know, if he gets a if he gets a flag, um, I don't think he would uh, complain too much about that. Agreed. I mean, he also drafted Kyle Wright, who uh, I think at this point is probably the favorite to be his underdog selection, which is the next ex- designation that's coming up June fifteenth for a player who's taken in the thirteenth round or later. Uh, he took Kevin Wright or. Kyle Wright in the 26th round. And of course he's been fantastic this year with completely revamped repertoire and his command improved command. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next month to see if, you know, Wright solidifies himself for, for Jeff with that pick. Yeah. Jeff did, did such a good job uh, in the startup draft. Um, and yeah, he's, he's contending. And I mean that, yeah, the Kyle Wright pick, um, it would be it'll be interesting to see if he ends up going pitcher pitcher with the fan favorite and the underdog. I mean, given this the state of baseball this year, it's I feel like we're going to see a lot of teams that do that. I mean, I may even do that, which is scary to even think about right now. But I mean, the just hitting has just been non-existent in baseball. It's starting to come around, and I I imagine that once the weather heats up across the league, you're going to see more and more hitting. Uh, but it's been dire, and I think we're seeing that with a lot of these fan favorite selections. Yeah, I mean, when we did this draft and when, like, I, I, Brett told me about the rules and everything, I was sort of assuming we might see, you know, 18 of 20 of these fan favorites be hitters. Mm-hmm. But I think in a startup draft, you saw, like, all the best hitters obviously get taken before the fifth round. Mm-hmm. And you have all these hitters who are underperforming right now. Uh, so I think that all kind of contributed to us seeing more pitchers um, selected as fan favorite than we might have uh, expected. I can tell you, I did not want to do it myself. We'll get to my, <laughs> but uh, my hitters just whew, every single one of them has been terrible this year. Just about it's been bad for this for that team in this league. Let's talk about Akeem Gillespie's uh, selection of uh, Nolan Arenado as his fan favorite. Uh, Akeem is in fourth place. There's like a seven points separating him from Smada, and then he's about 10 points ahead of the fifth place team. So Akeem comfortably in the top four right now. Uh, Nolan Arenado, um, I didn't check on this, but maybe the oldest of the fan favorite selections. I believe it's George Springer. Um, oh, but okay. Arenado is 31 years old. So, yeah, definitely an older of the fan favorites. Uh, obviously having a renaissance season so far uh, this year for sure. And I think that it kind of um, follows a little bit with sort of what Jeff was doing with, you know, Akeem's got a really good team that he's he's contending right now. Uh, I'm sure he expects to be contending uh, in future years. So maybe Nolan Arenado isn't looking like the greatest pick a, a couple of years from now, but he, you know, I think he is uh, just a, a, a beast. And if he wins the league this year, wins the league next year, um, he, he won't be complaining. Uh, his, his other options, you know, he took Luis Castillo in the sixth, Ryan Presley in the seventh, Kenley Jansen, in the eighth, pretty easy to, to not go with any of those three. Yes. 
uh alex verdugo in the ninth you know he's got youth on his side but um not really close to arenado in terms of performance right now um jeremy pena would have been an option if if he had exceeded rookie eligibility and that's something we haven't haven't talked about is that these are only players that have exceeded rookie eligibility i know that drew wheeler uh was incredibly bummed that he could not designate say a suzuki as fan favorite because partly because suzuki has had an injury that kept him from playing every day for for about a week so that has kept him from exceeding uh rookie you know thresholds 130 at bats and honestly i mean even julio rodriguez he literally exceeded rookie eligibility last week so i think that's something to take keep in mind moving forward year to year i mean i think the delayed start this year has prevented players from exceeding rookie eligibility like they normally do by this time of the year if they were regular everyday players to start the season yeah i mean just quickly on on pena i mean he couldn't he couldn't keep pena um but a really nice uh duo of picks by akeem in the startup he went michael harris in the 10th um pena in the 11th uh is pena like a, a top 10 prospect for you at this point <sighs> um i recently put him at 24 uh when i updated my dynasty rankings and since then he's even you know performed even better <laughs> uh he's gone on a big a bit of a little mini heater over the last uh, few days but i mean he's showing everything you want out of a top prospect obviously he has elite defense so he's going to be on the, in the lineup every day but he's showing much more power than I think we had all anyone really anticipated as a prospect, even after what he did in AAA last year, because the bad ball metrics that he did have in AAA didn't really jump off the page despite all the home runs he hit. Uh, but he is coming out and hitting for a ton more power than I personally had anticipated. Uh, and of course, he has a lot of speed. He's a fantastic athlete, 97th percentile sprint speed. He only has one stolen base and the Astros don't like to run a lot, but if he can give you average and power, I mean, by the time, I don't think I'll have him as a top 10 prospect by the time he graduates, but he's certainly trending that way right now. Yeah. I mean, I think any, any prospect who has performed at a high clip this season as a hitter, like, I think that just carries so much weight, um, for me right now just given the the state of things uh let's quickly talk about kevin hastings uh selection of ty france who he picked in the ninth round uh heck of a pick um looking back on that one uh fran i mean how how big of a believer are you in what france is doing right now i mean i'm a believer i think this is this is who he is i think he's a 300 hitter with 20 home run power uh and i mean that how that well, that plays at first base long-term where it's a position where you are seeking more power often is unclear, but, you know, obviously he's fantastic this year with second base eligibility. I think long-term we're going to see France's value diminish because he's going to be a first base only player next year. Uh, so obviously he's performing fantastically any second base eligible. Uh, but I think this is France is one of those rare players who isn't is not older but he's going to i think age or age poorly because he's going to lose eligibility and the power is just not a carrying tool for him yeah i mean is it has the ship sailed on him improving there because i i thought uh it's just it's really remarkable how he like his hit tool the past couple years was was great and then he took it to another level this year uh, 10% strikeout rate so far this year. 
is is that just going to be is he just always going to be hit over power to you or is it kind of too late for him to make an adjustment and tap into something there i mean i think that he could conceivably tap into it but you know the last couple of years, he we've seen his ground ball rate kind of spike. You know, this year his fly ball rate's only sixteen point nine percent. It's hard to hit a lot of home runs when you're not putting balls in the air at a healthy clip. And I think that is a hit over power profile. He's favoring, you know, all fields contact. Uh, he's not like a pull, a lift and pull hitter. So you know, it's a lot of contact. He's an aggressive hitter. Uh, his whiff rate is only 15.8%, um, which makes a lot of sense given his minuscule strikeout rate. So I think there's going to, I think there's a, there is power in that bat. I just not sure his current approach is going to get to that power. Yeah. Even if he's only a 20 homer guy, uh, Ty France as the fan favorite for Kevin Hastings. I think that's just a really nice pick by him in the, in the startup draft, getting him at pick 173, uh, Let's head to our next special guest, uh, DJ Short from NBC Sports Edge. DJ, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, you guys. Hey, DJ. Of course. Really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, your pick, you were the only person who selected a fan favorite uh, who you took in uh, a double-digit round of the yeah. draft. You Love took that. Alec Bohm in the 13th round. He's your fan favorite. Uh, what kind of all went into that decision? Yeah. So, you know, I started going through my draft board and I didn't love my options from, you know, rounds five through 10. Um, Jose Brios, I had in the fifth round, not really interested in using a pitcher for this spot. Um, so that probably would have been the the alternative there. Uh, Jake Cronenworth, he's already 28 years old. I like it. He's off to a bad start this year. I, I like him as a player. I like the versatility, but the age didn't love that either. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle was my other uh, possibility there, but I think his profile is pretty replaceable. Um, and Camden Yards and the way they've changed the ballpark there uh, certainly uh, puts a ding in his his upside there. So I, I went with Bohm, who certainly carries questions about his defense and his future position. Struggled a lot last year, but I think some really good signs uh, so far this year brought the strikeout rate down. We know he hits the ball hard, um, which he's done again this year. Um, would like to see some more power, but I think he's still young enough that he could uh, tap into that. So I think Bohm is, is a solid piece, uh, a solid core building piece in a, in a dynasty league. Yeah, I think that given your options, he probably was the best option at that point. You know, he is obviously quite young, still just 25 years old. He's off to a really strong start. Uh, you know, he has always kind of gone through these ups and downs uh, throughout his minor leagues career too. And I think once he adjusts, I think he has a legitimate shot to be a high average third baseman that can give you power with upside for more, because there's a lot of raw power in his bat. He just puts a lot of balls on the ground. Uh, I think there's a little risk that this, that he could transform into like Eric Hosmer 2.0, um, but he could be a lot more. Yeah. I mean, you look at the body type there. I feel like everyone's compared him over the years just because he's long and lanky to like a Jason Worth. So, mm -hmm. you know, being on the Phillies, it's it's hard to ignore that comparison. But if he fills out a little bit more, if he gets the the right advice or information in his head to adjust his swing path, I think he could be a 20 to 30 homer player easily. And, you know, with 
the way that he's hit the ball so far this year, as hard as he's hit it, his XBA is at 328, which is, you know, elite. Um, I would trade off a little bit of the batting average if you get a little more in power. And I think a player like him uh, is a good test case for if he can, you know, start to loft the ball a bit more. Where do you think uh, Bohm qualifies defensively, like over the next sort of three years? Because, you know, obviously not a great third baseman, yeah. but they also just have a log jam of guys who need to DH and are yeah. even worse defenders than him. So like, where do you sort of see that going? Yeah, I don't, I don't see him playing anywhere else, you know, unless he gets, you know, traded. Um, yeah. Just kind of the way that that roster is put together, you know, Castellanos, Schwarber, Harper, as he ages, I just don't think they're and real Mudo as well is going to need days off. Um, I just don't see him getting as much DH time as he should. Um, with Hoskins there, I don't see first base as a possibility in the short term. I think if there's any positives to take away from you know his struggles he's had defensively, there was that game earlier this season where I think he made three errors, and then on his second error of the inning, you know he he mouthed those infamous words. Um, but since then, I know errors aren't everything, but I think he's only made two errors in the past, like you know, 30 games or whatever, like, okay, like, you know, you'll take that. Uh, and for the Phillies, that might be passable enough to be a good, good defender. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's completely hopeless, but for now it's, it's third base. Yeah. Kind of a testament. To, I mean, I, I thought, you know, at the, the, the game you're talking about where he made all those errors, he very easily could have just gone into the tank sort of emotionally. And yeah. like, it, it looked like it was going to be pretty bad there, but Props to him for really turning around his season. Yeah, he owned up to it. And I think in Philadelphia, you kind of have to do that. Um, and you know, he could have easily said like, oh, I didn't say that. I was saying something else. But he was like, yeah, you know, I said it. You know, he owned it. And the Phillies fans kind of have since rallied around him. And that, I think that's really great to see. And obviously, he's, he's such a talented hitter. We've known that since he came out of the draft. Uh, he was one of the most anticipated bats out of that draft. And uh you know, I'm I'm a fan of what I've seen so far, but you know, I feel like there's another level here. Whereas, you know, I, I drafted him 13th round. I think he's the kind of talent who should have really been drafted a, a few rounds earlier. Yeah, it, it looks like that uh, in hindsight, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Were you considering that you could have kept him as a underdog in the next uh, destination uh, when you decide to go with him? I think I'll worry about that later. That's kind of what I was thinking, you know, at this point in time, I just, I didn't like my other options. Like I, yeah. I just kept nitpicking and finding things I didn't like about them. And yeah, I, I'm just a big believer in, in, in Bowman, what his potential could be. And you make a great point about Ryan Mountcastle. I mean, we've already seen the new park dimensions cost him home runs. Uh, yeah. You know, last year it would have cost him about two to three home runs. And I mean, I think, it's already probably cost him that much of this year. And I, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, DJ. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Same, same to you guys. Thanks, Thanks for having a lot, me. DJ. Yeah. All right. Um, we've got time to talk about a couple more teams that won't be joining us. Uh, the itch was the only person to designate a closer as his fan favorite. Edwin Diaz in the sixth round. Uh, he will have Edwin Diaz on his team, uh, no matter what, <laughs> probably <laughs> over the next uh, three three plus years. So, what what do you think about that pick? 
I don't know. I think in general, I am very anti-closer in Dynasty because their value is tied to their role and their roles are so volatile. Even Edwin Diaz, a player who, uh, you know, they traded Jared Kelnick for. <laughs> Even someone like him may not be a closer. He may not be a closer next year. I mean, he's an, I believe he's a free agent after this year. Uh, so, you know, he his long-term uh, viability for fantasy purposes is definitely in question. Obviously, he's one of the top closers in the game when he's on, but there's a lot of blowups with Edwin Diaz, and uh, you know it's an unforgiving fan base in New York, so it's a risky one. Uh, but you know, going into the season, we saw the price of closers just skyrocket, and I think the fact that our startup draft occurred after a lot of people conducted redraft formats, where we saw closers going mm-hmm. like the first round in some leagues, uh, that really I think colored where closers went in our startup draft. And for example, I basically didn't draft a closer. <laughs> I drafted Jorge Lopez like really late, and that's been my closer, <laughs> uh, which hasn't necessarily worked out perfectly. But, you know, I think it's a risky thing to put a lot of draft capital or keeper, keeper capital into closers in general in Dynasty. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a gamble. Like if if Edwin Diaz stays healthy, I think this will look fine uh, because mm-hmm. of just how hard it is going to be to trade for or acquire the high-end closers in this league with you know every year 15 teams are going to be trying to win the league you're going to need saves to win and saves are going to keep getting more and more spread out in the game and so those very best guys are going to carry a ton of value um i mean his other options were basically uh javier baez anthony rendon jared walsh uh mike clevenger that's about it. Um, I mean, maybe Tristan McKenzie or Tony Gonsolin. Uh, would any of those guys have been the pick for you over Diaz? Um, that's a great question because I I don't think so, <laughs> uh, which is crazy to say. Um, honestly, maybe I would have went with Baez still uh, just because uh, I think he's been a stable performer over time. And, you know, I think we need to be a little bit careful reacting to a lot of this early season performance data, you know, with that short ramp up and cold weather, you know, especially someone like Baez going to Detroit. Uh, it's it's obviously been an adjustment period, uh, but I get it. I get not wanting to, you know, invest in someone like Javier Baez, who has a ris- very risky profile anyway. Okay, Jesse, let's let's hit on your pick. Uh, we've, we've got some time here before our next guest. Uh, you picked a guy who I haven't checked, but I'm guessing if you just looked at the player rater among starting pitchers, he's got to be at the top or near the top. Uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, what went into that, that pick? Whew. Um, I, again, did not want to take a picture, but really that, those are my only legitimate options because all the bats that I took that would have been realistic choices have crashed and burned. <laughs> so my fifth round pick actually was Trevor Rogers, another Marlins, Marlins starter. Uh, but it was between Rogers, Lopez, and Michael Kopech. Uh, look, they all have a lot of risk. You know, Lopez had, was shut down with shoulder issues last year, <laughs> uh, and he hasn't pitched a full major league season yet. And you know, Kopech underwent Tommy John surgery. Uh, Rogers, we saw his velocity crater at times in the spring, and he still hasn't really figured out a slider. You know, he's changed the slider shape and it hasn't worked. So, you know, 
there were issues with all three of them. Obviously, Lopez has performed exceptionally this year, but I like a lot of what I'm seeing from Lopez in general. You know, if he's healthy, I think he can be one of the rare workhorse arms in base baseball. I mean, he has a 6'4", 225 frame. Uh, he has excellent command. And, you know, he has really good stuff. He has fantastic changeup. You know, a lot of the Marlins arms have fantastic changeups, but Lopez may have the best of the bunch. Uh, and it gets a lot of whiffs. It always has. And it's a carrying pitch for him at, that he can throw to both-sided hitters. And I think it's risky with right-handers, with their carrying pitch being a changeup because it's less effective than it were, would it be if it was like a left-handed starting pitcher. Uh, but he's also has a cutter that I think has taken, it's slowly rounding into form to be in a really solid, effective third offering to keep hitters off balance. Uh, and his fastball, his fastball actually has less velocity this year, which I'm sure some people may be a little worried about, but it actually has a lot better movement profile, in my opinion, that will allow it to, uh, you know, both miss more bats and create weaker content because contact because there's a lot more uh, vertical depth and less running action. So it's almost like a pseudo cutter in in and of itself. So I think all three of those pitchers have po- plus potential based on their velocity and movement profiles and his command of them. And of course, the changeup I think could be plus plus. And with above average to plus command, I mean that is a fantastic starter. But of course, there's the the specter of his shoulder health and just health long term. But he is 26 years old and I'll have him through, uh, well, I think 2025, trying to get my math right. I think 2025. So he'll be through his 29, 29 year old season. Um, I feel like he's probably the highest floor arm of that group. And I feel pretty comfortable with him, uh, as comfortable as you can with a starter, honestly, at this rate point. So I've been getting a lot of questions, I think, from people about Pablo Lopez trades, and I sort of get the sense that there's a a rush among certain people in Dynasty to try to sell high on Lopez right now. Is that what you would advise? Obviously, it depends on the deal. Or is this one where you look at the age, you look at the body, and maybe you just ride this out? I think it really depends on how people are pricing him, because I definitely think you should sell him if anyone's giving you top 50 dynasty value for him for sure uh obviously he has huge numbers this year but you know his stuff is not like epic bat missing stuff he's never going to be a guy who gets you tons and tons of strikeouts his strikeout rate will probably always hover around nine per nine basically and you know if you're chasing a big loud strikeout arms that can give you great ratios. He's not going to be that player. I think he can be a very good ratio, like an excellent ratios long-term like ERAs around three uh, great whips around one. And I think he can give you innings. Um, but yeah, the health concerns that I still am concerned about and the fact that he's doesn't really have like a bat missing breaking ball. You know, that cutter is not a big bat misser and Without a bat, big bat missing breaking ball, he's just never going to get a ton of strikeouts. I will say, uh, Trevor Rogers' last most recent start, I think, was his best uh, mm-hmm. slider start of his career uh, from a from a swinging strike uh, standpoint. So, um, I'm I'm definitely still bullish on Rogers mm-hmm. long term, but I, I think uh, Lopez over Rogers, Lopez over Kopech definitely uh, makes sense. Rogers is just, I just still don't love his slider shape or philosophy. I just don't like it. <laughs> I've never liked it. It's, uh, I just don't think it's going to be 
a very effective pitch in general. But I mean, if he uses it primarily against left-handed hitters, I think it can have its use. Uh, but he is using it to both side hitters, so I don't. Know. I, I I really don't get it fully with him. But uh, uh, teach their own. I think with Michael Kopech, really, like it, it's about command that I'm just concerned about. You know, he his walk rates over four. And he's had command issues his entire career. And, you know, the health issues are concerned too. And how well and effective his secondaries can be is something that I am a little, it's an open question. I mean, his fastball is fantastic, but everything else needs a little, a, a good bit of work. Um, okay. Uh, I am having some technical difficulties. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Um, this is awful. All right. Well, uh, we can see. hear you though. <laughs> you can hear me. Well, the, my, my computer's basically frozen. I feel really bad. Uh, we've got Drew Wheeler waiting in the wings to come on. Um, I wonder if I can fix this, but in the meantime, um, let's talk about another team or another uh, manager who's not able to join us. Um, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's see. Who did we have next in, in line here? Baseball pods. Chris Maurer, I believe, is next. And who did he select? Uh, Luis Garcia Ooh. Uh, for the Astros. Love Luis Garcia. Uh, actually just traded for him. Uh, in another dynasty league, um, another pitcher selected, yep. and uh, yeah, that one. I, I know that he was kind of between um, picks there. Um, who would have been his next best option? Do you think? Well, I know Drew really wanted Seiya Suzuki to be the guy, <laughs> um, you know, and he also picked Starling Marte in the sixth round. But I think Starling Marte's age is problematic when you're committing to a player like this for three years. And the same thing with uh, Jose Abreu, who we selected right after, right, right around there. But I think, um, I think he was considering Zach Gallon, I believe. Wait, this is wrong team. Oh my gosh. Ignore everything I just said. (laughs) Um, His, his main other option would have been uh, Tyler Mall and he's had a really rough go of it. He took a lot of prospects between in rounds five and seven. He took Corbin Carroll, which again, fantastic pick. Took Nick York in round eight, uh, Sean Manea in round nine, Kiebert Ruiz in round ten. Uh, you know, really a lot of the, them, a lot of the major league pieces that he took just haven't really been performing. I think the way he would have liked them to, to perform. Uh, but you know, Garcia has been fantastic. Garcia has fantastic stuff. Uh, and, you know, I think the fact that we're seeing his command continue to improve, you know, a player who as a prospect, I think universally was graded at below average command, below average command projection, even uh, the fact that his commands improving and continually improving as stuff's actually taken a small step forward this year. Uh, I legit, I think it's a great selection. I think he's a, you know, top 100 dynasty player at this point. And, uh, you know, I think he's one of the, he's going to be a stalwart in that Astros rotation moving forward. Yeah. I mentioned that I, I traded for him recently in the league. I traded Josh Young and Dustin Harris for uh, Luis Garcia. Um, and I'm kind of going for it this year. So that kind of gives you an idea of what the, the value is on him right now. Uh, let's bring on uh, Drew Wheeler. Drew, thanks for being patient. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing well, gentlemen. How are we? Good. Uh, Doing great now that uh, my uh, technical difficulties have been sorted out once more. Uh, You selected Zach Gallen, seventh round uh, pick in the the startup draft for you. I know that that was not uh, your first choice necessarily, but uh, those are the breaks. (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, obviously a huge conspiracy that's, you know, boiled to – an unbearable level. I don't know how you guys can orchestrate injuries with major <laughs> players, but you figured out a way to do it. And thus say Suzuki can't be my fan favorite. Um, you will be hearing from my lawyers. Uh, 
That said, um, Zach Gallant was definitely the next best choice. I was ecstatic to get him. If I can quote my homeboy, Michael Simeone, Gallant's been pretty good as long as he's healthy. Uh, so, you know, that's pitching as, as it goes, I guess. Uh, 26 years old. He was, uh, you guys kind of were referencing a second ago, um, Jose Abreu is just a little too old, so he really didn't get much consideration from me. Uh, didn't want to go Hunter Green based strictly on cowardice on my own part. Um, Akil Badu would have been a good selection, but he's decided instead of playing baseball, he'd fall off the earth this year. Um, and then we have Gallon, who has been really good and healthy. So, you know, we're going to go with Zach Gallon here. A uh, lot of fastball usage. And I know, I don't know how you guys feel about that specifically, but I mean, he's at 52% fastball use right now. And, um, he is living, you know, not in the center of the the zone. So, you know, if he's in the shadow of the plate, I do like that. I think uh, he's got things he can work on most definitely. I'd love to see some more first pitch strikes from him. I'd really like to see some more development for the curveball and the changeup specifically. Uh, the changeup, it's got like, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 10 to 12% more drop than the league average. So his changeup is nasty, and I've seen it really, mm-hmm. you know, some, some guys bite on it. But just, you know, seeing it thrown more consistently, at least from a velocity perspective and in counts at certain times, you know, just seeing it used more consistently is the word I'm going to use again. That would be great. Those are kind of the main concerns. But again, the the key decision for me was, do I protest the entire league and just fight for Suzuki <laughs> or do I swallow my pride and take Zach Gallon? I mean, I think Gallon was a very good pick anyway. Uh, I believe a lot of what he's doing this year, uh, you know, as a prospect, he was known for his changeup. You know, his changeup was his, you know, I guess at the time people thought that was his lone plus pitch, potential plus pitch, but his fastball's taken a big step forward this year. He's healthy, right? <laughs> uh, and his fastball is at, you know, a career best velocity. It's up one mile an hour from last year, uh, has better shape, more carry. Uh, and it's, of course, just been fantastic uh, in general for him. But, you know, I think that the you're right that I think that the curve and cutter in particular uh, both have performed very well for him. And, you know, it, historically, they've they've not been great pitches, uh, especially the cutter. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they how he continues to maintain them, because the curveball is definitely a solid pitch has good shape. Uh, the cutter, I think has some potential to be at least an average or better pitch. And of course the changeup is fantastic. And if the fastball's velocity and shape is ma- if he can maintain that over the course of the season, I mean, he legitimately could have taken a huge step forward and be a potential, even a potential top 10 starter. Hey, you said it, not me. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> he could. Drew, before we let you go, uh, you know, you weren't able to keep Suzuki via the fan favorite. Do you think he cracks your top three as a as a franchise player heading into next year? Eh, I, I don't want to give anything away, but <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. You have you have some great options. Yeah, yeah Cole, thank you. Manny Machado, Aaron Nola, Ali Rushman. Uh it's gonna be a tough group to crack for sale. Yeah, I like to say that I have the worst win now team of anyone in the league. 
So uh, thank God for that first few rounds of the draft because I really did great then, but then I think somebody took over. Maybe it was the high from getting Suzuki when I did, and I just kind of, you know, vacated mentally. But either way, I really appreciate the kind words, and you're certainly right about uh, about having a tough call to choose from on those three three keepers. Well, thanks again for joining us, man. Um, what, where can we uh, follow you on, on Twitter and what, oh, what, where can we listen to your podcast? You're so sweet. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew is okay. You can see my written work at the wonderful site, spstreamer.com. You can uh, listen to my podcast. It's a subsect of the SP Streamer podcast called The Next Pick with the wonderful Peyton Skinner. Um, we are just doing our best, man. And thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real treat to talk to you boys. Absolutely. Uh, have a good rest of your day, man. Likewise, Thanks, see you. All right. We got time to hit a couple more of these uh, guys who, who couldn't make it before we get to our, our next guest. Uh, Chris Fargus took uh, George Springer in the fifth round and selected him as his fan favorite. Uh, so he was the oldest fan favorite, not, not Nolan Arenado. Um, what'd you think about that one? Um, you know, I thought it was a risky play, you know, because obviously he's 32 years old by the time the, you're basically locking him in through his age 36 season. Um, that is just a very risky thing to do. You know, there's a very real chance that Springer just falls off a cliff as if, if if his athleticism takes a step back. Um, but you know, again, he's having a good year. Uh, he's one of the few hitters that are. Uh, and you know, his other options were not much better. You know, there's JT Real Muto. He was the, his sixth round pick. Uh, then Lance Lynn was his seventh round pick who hasn't even played. Uh, Reese Hoskins was his eighth round pick. Who's, you know, been fine, but I mean, again, it's a very risky profile with Hoskins as a righty, righty first baseman. Who's going to be a free agent uh, in 2024. So, you know, I think that, how long he's going to be a viable starter, I think is actually an open question. So, I mean, after that, there was Miles Straw, and then we're getting a little bit into the weeds after that. But I think of those players, Springer probably makes the most sense. I think there maybe Real Muto would have been a decent option, but, you know, with all all the depth issues people have in this league, catcher is probably the one position where depth is not as big of an issue because you only start 20. Um, and you know, there's going to be catchers available, I think, that you can find on free agency or on someone's bench even. And uh, so I get trying to favor someone like Springer over Real Muto. Yeah, I think I, I would have done what what uh, Chris ended up doing there. I mean, he, he does kind of have an older nucleus. So he was basically choosing between um, level of production or maybe a decreased level of production with um you know a younger player like hoskins or mcmahon but i think he i think he made the right call um let's uh hit on andrew sperling's decision to keep nick castellanos uh who he took in the fifth round um you know castellanos has been productive um per usual Mm -hmm. uh was that a an easy call do you think for for sperling I think it probably was, um, you know, his other options have all just been terrible. You know, Danzy Swanson has been, to, he's been swinging and missing at everything. Uh, Jesse Winker has just been a disaster in Seattle. Max Muncie has, has a lot of great underlying data, but he's just not performing in general. Uh, I think 
Then there's Jesus Luzardo. I bet you he probably was considering up until the point that Luzardo went on the IL with an arm injury uh, because pitching, man. You know, uh, so I think it makes sense to go with Castellanos there. Uh, you know, he is having a great season. He's been a very steady producer for several years now. So I again, I think it was probably the best choice of his options for sure. Yeah, I mean Dansby has kind of. Uh, you know, he, he heated up there for a little bit. Um, I would have, I still, I still like Dansby, but I think, uh, I think you probably do got to go, uh, Castellanos there. Um, yeah, I don't personally love Castellanos as a long-term player in general, just cause I just, it's a very, uh, it's a skill set that I don't think is going to translate very well long-term, uh, you know, He's not a player who has the best uh, plate discipline. Uh, there's swing and miss in his game. Uh, there is obviously a legit power, but you know, if I think he he toes a line, it's very dangerous, and we see players fall off of it all the time. You know, his whiff rate is consistently around 34%. His chase rate is consistently around 35% because he swings so much, right? His swing rate's always 53% or higher. And I think that his approach could catch up to him eventually, but it, obviously it hasn't. So how do you, how do you rank Castellanos, Springer and Arenado for dynasty of those sort of like aging um, four category guys? I actually have uh, I've had Springer and Castellanos back to back for some time, um, with Springer one spot ahead of Castellanos and uh, uh, Arenado behind both of them. So I, I think they're good selections in general, um, but it, when you're committing to them locked in for three years, I think it gets a little bit hairy. But again, I think when you're committing to just about any player, especially pitchers, which I did, uh, it can be hairy. Yeah. Um, some more technical difficulties on my end. Um, this is, uh, not been, not been great. Um, but Jesse, you've just been an ace, uh, helping me power through here. Um, we're going to be joined, uh, by Eddie Almaguer, uh, momentarily. Um, Eddie is, up in first place now right like the the prospect live guys keep uh jockeying up at the top yep, for now and... <laughs> <laughs> i know uh i know those guys take uh, a lot of pride in that and uh you know eddie's eddie's a great player oh yeah he is um can we uh sort of tease um who his uh selection was before we bring him on Sure. Uh, so, you know, Eddie actually picked a player who he took in, in the eighth round. Um, his fifth round pick was Chris Bryant. Sixth rounder was Giancarlo Stanton. Seventh rounder was Loris Gurriel Jr. And his eighth rounder was Tommy Edmond. And of course, uh, it makes a lot of sense for Eddie to select Edmond as his uh, fan favorite. Uh, it could be name, name related uh, issues here. But I mean, I think the of those players, Edmonds obviously been fantastic this year. He's hitting for a low pop. 
He has shown a lot of speed. Uh, speed is a very much a dwindling resource in the game. He plays second base, which is a difficult position to fill, especially in a league like this. And, you know, he's young. Edmund's 26 years old, uh, so he can potentially give Eddie, or 27 years old, could potentially give Eddie some stability at a position of that's very difficult to fill with a solid fancy performer and speed. I mean, Edmund has nine stolen bases this year. Uh, speed does not age well usually, but I think that Edmund should do pretty well with that in that regard. But I think the big thing is he's showing a bit more pop than ever this year. So I think it's, uh, I'd like the pick personally, but I don't want, I should probably talk too much about it already because, uh, we'll be bringing Eddie on. Are, are you able to add him? Um, or is that, am I the only one who's able to add him? I think it's just you. Yeah. God damn it. All right. This, this really sucks. I'm really, <laughs> really sorry, everyone. Um, and I feel the uh, worst for, for Eddie, who's, uh, waiting to join us. Um, and really just not sure, uh, what to do. Uh, might actually have to. Well, it's just me. <laughs> All right. Well, while I'm on here only and we wait for James to return, let's talk about a couple other selections uh, to keep this thing moving. Uh, Chris Clegg, who is not here, not going to be joining us today, he selected Joe Musgrove, which, uh, you know, he's off to a fantastic start this year. Uh, again, another pitcher. <laughs> uh, Chris's other options were Yoan Moncada, who's just returned from injury. Joe Adele. We all know what happened to Joe Adele. He's been demoted in favor of Taylor Ward, new superstar. Uh, then there's Jordan Romano, Marcelo Zuna, Reed Detmers. Uh, and I think among all of them, obviously Musgrove has the most upside, given obviously his current performance. And uh, I think that if I were to guess, I would imagine that Clegg was – kind of wavering between Musgrove and Moncada. Uh, but between the two, I think that Musgrove was a solid pick. You know, this is a guy who has some of the best secondaries in baseball with his slider and curveball. Uh, fantastic, fantastic command. He's not walking anybody. Uh, but it's really about how well his fastball will hold up long-term, which is because it gets hit. It gets hit. <laughs> gets hit. Eddie, how you doing? Mumble. Boys, <laughs> well, I guess I guess my work's done here. Jesse kind of said it all, so I'll catch you boys later. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I, I mean, that's just all my fault. Uh, this this old ass computer just keeps uh, freezing out on me. But, um, Come on, man, you got to get what? some of that top four hundred order wire money and buy yourself some new computer. <laughs> um, so you are in first place. You and the the Prospect Live guys and the Prospect Live alumni are, are hogging the top three spots. Um, What's what's gone right for your team so far this year? Uh, well, you know, in, in all fairness to Jeff, literally like ten minutes ago, he passed me for first. So like we just had that. So if you brought me on a little bit earlier, I could have claimed <laughs> things. But you're out, you're out here freezing the computer now. I can't see him in first place. So uh, nah, I mean it, it's it's been it's been a good start to to the year for me, and ultimately it's been a couple of key acquisitions. Well, more so draft picks. First off. Uh, 40th, 40th round God, who I consider making my fan favorite and underdog, <laughs> Daniel Bard, with the last pick of the draft, uh, yep. really has been a huge help in, in the saves category, which we know are at a premium in this league. Um, I would say also a little bit of, um, I, I, don't, I don't know, I, I, nothing, nothing, I mean, Stanton, you know, balling out has been a huge help. But otherwise, no one else is, uh, outside of Edmund, who I chose as my fan favorite, has been a huge, like, whoa, this guy's doing something way different than I expected. I think 
I mean, maybe Anthony Rizzo's hitting for a little bit more RBIs, and I expect a little bit more power than I would have expected. Uh, but ultimately, it's just been some solid uh, production all around. I'm fortunate to not have anyone who's batting average starts with a one on my team, you know. So it's uh, so far That's just early good production. Um, and you have Ronald Cunha Jr. back, uh, which yeah. means you know Jeff better watch out. Yeah, Cunha, who I've really had for about eight games uh, so far all season, you know, based on the, the weekly nature of the league. Um, so I'm looking forward to some of his production. He's stealing a game literally every one that he's playing, it seems like. Um, so, but, but yeah, like you mentioned, Jesse, some of the kind of easy reasons. I, I expected to choose from Chris Bryant and Lourdes Gurriel uh, for my uh, fan favorite. And I thought that second half Gurriel had last year was a, a big indicator of what we expected in 2022. Hasn't manifested itself. Uh, and ultimately, I looked. I'm like, man, like Tommy Hedman, like I gotta, I gotta respect the man. Brian's injury also kind of helped me shift in that direction. Um, Edmund, and I looked at the Rasball player radar. He's like 13th or 14th in all of baseball right now, and he's just he's doing it all. His month of May is a little bit slow, but ultimately, I mean, he reclaimed that leadoff spot uh, fairly quickly in late April. Um, he's just kind of entrenched now uh, for for a Cardinals team that's got 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 some pretty good offense recently. So Edmund. Just a classic, you know, uh, average guy, 270, 280. And ultimately, while this is an OBP and he has, he's really improved his walk rate this year, that at, at the very least translates to more steals, like you were mentioning, Jesse. So uh, maybe, a, maybe a 1030 season coming out of uh, Tommy Edmund and his age uh, is maybe the most appealing factor. Um, I didn't go Stanton ultimately because of that age and because of that, you know, that injury risk. It was hard to not choose Stanton. Um, but yeah, uh, Edmund's the man, Thomas Hyunsu Edmund. <laughs> Eddie, I think Edmund, honestly, is of all the other 19 fan favorite picks, I'm probably the most jealous of that one um, because I've just liked him so long and I don't know why I didn't take him before the eighth round. But um, like he's just such a, a roto machine. Uh, do you see him getting like overdrafted and redraft next year or do you – like think that he's just going to kind of make good uh, on the counting stats that, that people are going to be paying for. Well, if you look at, if you look at the rest of the season projections, you're looking at roughly maybe I said 10 30, you know, if you kind of take, uh, take into account what he's done so far and bake it in with the rest of the season projections, it's looking more like a 15, 1530, 1535, maybe um, in which case, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to probably be a third or fourth rounder. If people say, Hey, here's a guy who hits 270, hits you some home runs and, steals your ton of bags, um, he might disappoint at that point again. But uh, if this OBP keeps up, uh, I'm not going to lie, there might be something there, uh, which has kind of been the big change for him. I mean, he hits everything in the zone. His his contact heat map is like all red, um, except for a little shade of light blue at the top of the, at the, top of the strike zone. But uh, yeah, like you, like you mentioned, James, like it was just when I, when I draft for Roto Leagues, I'm very, very, I make a very concerted effort to address average and stolen bases. Um, and so far, I think I'm either top two or tops in each one thus far in the early going. And because I know the rest falls into line based out of that. Um, so, I mean, Edmund kind of fits that bill to a T, which is kind of why he ended up being the surprise uh, fan favorite. You did snipe me on him. <laughs> I took Renan Rogers as my consolation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going great. <laughs> oh, man. Only less than two months ago, it was Tommy Ed- Edmund versus Brennan Rogers. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, Eddie, before we let you go, do you want to promote anything you guys got going on over at Prospects Live? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I-, I think Patreon is is where you're going to hear. I mean, I... I- I don't even show my face outside of Patreon nowadays, uh, but it's basically, you know, you got different tiers to choose from the Prospects Live Patreon. It's all fantasy driven, 
uh, the $10 tier, uh, you got the Robo Scout tool that's uh, pumped out by Dylan White, who was on the recently on the Rotowire podcast. I mean, just an excellent, excellent tool to really give you a jump on on some names. Chase Silseth was kind of highlighted by Dylan a few days before he debuted. Of course, no one expected the actual major league debut, but that was a nice coincidence. Uh, but yeah, jump over to Prospect Live, Prospect Live Patreon, and there's a tier where you can get your own personal Discord channel, ask us questions, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so far, so good. Well, thanks so much, dude. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Good luck in, in your other leagues. Um, All right, boys. And, uh, Catch you later. The rest of your week. Yep. See ya. Thanks, man. All right. We are joined now by Alex Sanchez of uh, Prospects 1500. How are you doing, Alex? Fantastic. Just here in uh, seventh period. So <laughs> <laughs> we are live. Don't tell, don't a, tell anybody, though. <laughs> uh, what what uh, is this? Is this high school, middle school? What are, uh, it's what are we... Eighth grade English for me. Eighth grade English. All right. We're live in a in an eighth grade English classroom. <laughs> Alex, you uh, selected Max Fried as your fan favorite. I was just watching him earlier today. He looked uh, pretty dominant. Uh, Sorry was... about that. He was your, <laughs> he was your fifth round pick in the in the startup. Uh, how, was that a tough call or an easy call? Well, it was quite easy. Um, as the prospects fifteen hundred guy, I mean, I'm all in on prospects. You're all in on prospects too. I mean, we're at the bottom of the league, <laughs> but um, year three, year four, you know, that's when we're we're really going for it. So when I'm looking at my team here for the keeper fifth round or later. I essentially am looking at who is the most likely to not be picked in the Highlander draft. And uh, my prospects probably aren't getting picked in that draft. At least I hope not. At least right now they're not. Max Fried almost guaranteed he would be picked. So for me, it was a no-brainer. You look at the rest of my team, there wasn't even really much competition um, for a guy that's going to be anchoring that staff for a very long time, I hope. And he's looked great this year, looked great today. He's just He's kind of doing what he's always done, but just – a little bit better this year even too. So for me, it was really easy choice. And I actually reached out to you to try to get freed from you <laughs> to make him my uh, pick. But uh, yeah, I think it's a great pick. I think given your team construct, he's the one who made a lot of sense. You can't keep prospects with this designation. So uh, you kind of were left with freed or Austin Meadows, Aaron Ashby. I think those are probably the primary players you would have chosen. Um, and I think among those players, Freed would have been my pick too. Yeah, absolutely. And Meadows, I had traded away, so he wasn't oh, even an option go. anymore. So yeah, it was. Uh, and, and Ashby, I mean, James, you know Ashby well, but uh, he hasn't quite, quite taken that step where I was more confident in him than Max Freed. So yeah, you're right. A pretty easy choice and and hard to trade too. I know lots of you weren't the only one coming after Freed, but it's like I'm I'm keeping this guy, whereas everybody that's offering me stuff for Freed. I might not be able to keep, especially with their prospects. So, do you guys think Freed is uh is he like a top? He's probably a top ten dynasty pitcher at this point, right? I think so. Yeah, I ranked him thirty eighth in my recent update, so uh, I think it's great value <laughs> right now. Yeah, he's just he kind of just checks all the boxes. I love the I love the team context there too. Um, he seems like one of those guys that just gets a little bit better every year. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you, you made the right call there, Alex. Yeah. I mean, the walk rate this year has just been insane too. Um, that's like the next step that he's taken. He, he's walked like what, four guys all year. It's just been incredible with the 95 coming from the left side. He's got like eight different pitches. He's just really fun. I've, I've seen a lot of his games as a Braves fan too. Probably had something to do with it, but, you know, I'm going to take the 
the thing I know over the, you know, the uh, allure of something I maybe don't know as much. Well, uh, really appreciate you joining us. Um, is there anything you want to promote uh, before we let you go? Or you want to let people know where they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, sure. It's at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. And I'm with Prospects 1500. I'm part of the Futures Focus podcast over there with my guy, David Gasper. So check that out on all your channels. And uh, I write for the Padres for the prospect stuff over there as well. Great site. Um, you know, I think so. <laughs> but uh, if you're into the prospect world, man, that's all we're into. We, we barely even touched on MLB stuff. It's just prospects, prospects and prospects. And so that's why my team looks the way it does. So don't judge me too much. Right now. <laughs> judge me year three, guys. Year four. <laughs> well, uh, have a good one, man. Really appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really love the league. Love what you guys do. Keep it going. Oh, Thanks. Thanks. So uh, we, you pretty much covered uh, Clegg's Musgrove yep. pick. It, it sounded like uh, briefly when I was uh, <laughs> when I was out of pocket. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, we also had man. I I don't want to. You know, th- this was probably the one that I sort of didn't quite get uh, the most out of um, all twenty picks. Uh, Jordan Rosenblum, who if you know if anyone's going to pull off trading a fan favorite, it's probably him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but True. Joey Gallo as the fan favorite um over it, Carlos Rodon too. And this is a this is interesting. A, yeah, this is not even uh an OBP league. Um so that one I just it was kind of a head scratcher to me. I mean, I think when you when you're rostering Joey Gallo, you're basically punting batting average whether you acknowledge it or not. And he's kind of decreased in terms of productivity. Like it, I just, it's, you got a, a flawed player who's sort of trending in the wrong direction. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I was kind of at a loss on that one. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a, an interesting choice. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Gallo is, everything is getting even more extreme with Joey Gallo. Uh, he's p- putting more balls in the air, uh, more ineffectual uh, flyouts than ever. Maybe the short right field fence is getting in his head and Yankee Stadium is just trying to send balls over it. Uh, but, you know, the whiff rate's always been an issue. Uh, the big thing that ch- stood out for Gallo this year from a plate discipline standpoint, this is a player who has had good plate discipline despite, you know, the swing and miss issues, a player who's consistently walked a lot. He's walking a lot still this year, but he's chasing more than he's ever chased before. Uh, and, it's a problem, you know, like for a player who has contact issues, trying to swing in pitches that are outside the zone is not going to be a solution. Uh, so I, I think that there is some boom upside with this pick. You know, if Gallo turns it around, it could look very good, you know, because he does have huge power. Uh, he has talent that can translate to 50 home runs. Uh, but, you know, he's been pretty dreadful the last couple of years and it was very interesting to pick gallo over carlos rodon who is 29 years old he is coming off a shoulder scare but he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball and you have to expect that absent injury uh you know he'd be pretty good for the next three years yeah uh different types of risk with like rodon versus gallo but i would at least like to take the guy uh who we can count on the performance when he's, when he's out there. Um, Michael Waterloo uh, selected Key Brian Hayes as his fan favorite. Um, 
that was a, his eighth round pick in the startup. I thought this was a. Well, <laughs> and here we go again. Uh, I guess I think James was about to say that he thought it was a very good selection. And I agree. I think that Hayes was a, a fine pick as a fan favorite. He's young. He's performing. Uh, a lot of the other options that that Michael Waterloo had were like Shane Boz, who picked in the fifth round, who's been out with an injury. Uh, and given Hayes' production, I definitely understand that choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, just any, like, it was just such a rarity for people to have the option uh, to take a younger big league hitter who was kind of maybe entering their prime and you could kind of count on for playing time and, you could at least feel sort of confident in the, in the production you're going to get. Um, it just needs to lift the ball. <laughs> it just needs to lift it. I mean, yeah. right now it's very, very strictly hit over power. It yeah. has been, it has been throughout his career. So I don't know if it'll ever change, but uh, you know, if he could be a 300 plus hitter uh, with 15 to 20 home runs and touch a speed uh, at third base long-term. I mean, How that's, I think the hope. How would you rank Hayes, Bohm, and Glaber uh, for Dynasty? Uh, Hayes won out of that group, then Glaber and Bohm. Just because uh, I do not love where Bohm – I don't know where Bohm's playing time is going to be long-term if he continues to be such a disaster at third base defensively. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're invested in him enough where um, I definitely yeah. think they're going to kind of exhaust it, but uh... – yeah, I'd probably have Bohm third there. And I mean, I'm sure DJ would probably agree with that, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about, you know, Brett's not going to be able to join us uh, today. Uh, but I mean, he had one of the better uh, fan favorite picks, yep. uh, Andrew Vaughn, who was his fifth round pick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the White Sox have really kind of done everything they can to kind of mess with Vaughn's uh, development. And he's just he's too good. It doesn't matter. They are. Tony Lewis is hitting Aaron, Andrew Vaughn ninth because, you know, he wants a second leadoff yeah, hitter. It's a second leadoff hitter. Duh. Unreal. Like, it's not Unreal. a slight. He's, he's hit, he likes him so much that he's hitting him ninth to get that second leadoff hitter. It's incredible. I mean, Andrew Vaughn is legitimately potentially breaking out this year. Uh, he's just come back from an injury. Uh, he, you know, this is a guy who can be both hit and hit for power, hit for contact, has a great eye, great play discipline. He can be an all around four category stud. Again, it may not be right now, but Brett has a roster that's built not for right now. It's a roster that's built for, you know, next year, the year after uh, for entering that contention window. And I think that by the time he's ready to compete, uh, he'll have Vaughn locked in loaded and ready to roll for him. Yeah, you know, I was kind of off. I, I was initially drafting Vaughn in uh, like draft and holds in December and January. And then I sort of backed off because I just looked at that roster and I was like, they might actually find another way to not play this guy every day. And he might not even be seeing this much playing time for, for that Eloy injury. And when Eloy returns, which is, you know, going to happen. I mean, what's going to happen? And they have AJ Pollock, uh, Andrew Vaughn, and Elo Jimenez, and Gavin Sheets, who's a lefty. And that lineup needs left-handed bats so badly because there are none. Um, you know, Yohan Mankata is back; he's a switch hitter. But yeah, that bat, that lineup needs lefty bats. And I think Sheets is going to carve out a fairly regular role, and someone's playing time is going to be cut 
granted, you know, Eloy and Pollock have not been the the best pictures of health in general. So I think that Vaughn will get his, but I think we need to temper short-term expectations a bit with Vaughn. I think next year we're going to see Jose Abreu potentially leave the team, you know, in free agency. And once that happens, I think Vaughn will probably get cemented at first base. Yeah, I was sort of thinking about this. I've I've actually been thinking about this sort of on and off. Um, do you where do you sort of place the blame in terms of the way this White Sox roster, like where they basically have, you know, four guys that really need to be playing a lot of designated hitter? Uh, is this something you trace back to like the Andrew Vaughn selection in the first place and say you should have gone a different direction there? Is this a case where they should have just found a way to unload either Vaughn or or Eloy in some sort of a, a trade for a different type of player? Like, where could they have kind of avoided this this kind of cluster of players who basically you don't want any of them playing the outfield? Only one of them can play first base, and only one of them can DH. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the Vaughn pick was probably been suspect given the presence of Eloy. But then, then again, you know, when the pick was made, I mean, it's not clear, you know, how well Abreu would age because um, he had been kind of starting to decline. Then, of course, he had a crazy 2020. Um, you know, I think that there is a case to just get the best player available, best bat, the safest bet, a player that will come up and be able to contribute as soon as possible, like Andrew Vaughn has been able to do. Uh, so, I mean, I get it. And I think that next year it will look better, but right now it is problematic because we have a bunch of right-handed hitters uh, that are plotting outfielders uh, that, you know, create a big issue defensively. Luckily they have Luis Robert in the center field that kind of can shield some of the issues they have in the corners. But I mean, it's not pretty. Where are you at right now on uh, Eloy? in terms of a, a dynasty asset, because I've been getting a lot of questions about that. I've, I've been hearing that he's been moving down dynasty rankings. Um, his lower body injuries have been very well documented, uh, whether or not Rick Hahn wants to admit that or not. Um, you know, he he's missed time uh, 20 to 30 games. It seems almost every year with something lower body related. And then it's gotten even worse uh this year um like where where are you at on Eloy like is he is he still like a, a clear top 50 dynasty asset for you or has is that kind of on shaky ground right now I think it's on a little bit shaky ground I still have him ranked in the top 50 I believe I'm at, at 34 in my last update he had dropped um which is outside of a tier he dropped a full tier for yeah. me um and so, you know, it may not seem like a huge drop, but it was a big drop in my rankings. Uh, I think it's a it's a concern. I think he is a lot more risk than you would normally associate with a 25-year-old. And I think that there's a very high risk that he's a DH-only player as soon as next year. Uh, and, you know, that's a problem. You know, if he's DH-only, that really hurts teams, especially in teams in leagues that you really need to have more fluidity in that utility spot. If he's clogging it, that's a problem. And, uh, but you know, that there is a lot of talent there. I mean, he can be that 280, 35, 40 home run bat, but he just needs to stay on the field, um, you know, and obviously perform when he's on it. But, you know, we saw a glimpse of what he's capable of in 2020 uh, when he's fully healthy. He, was, he played in 55 of 60 games that year. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's one little small tiny short sample of a season and uh i mean there's a huge upside but lots of risk 
Yeah, I really hope that heading into next year, we look at that depth chart and it's very clear that it's Andrew Vaughn's the everyday first baseman, Eloy's the everyday DH. Yep. And if that's the case, then I will feel a bit better about investing in both those guys in redraft. Um, but I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, all right, before we get to our last guest, uh, we can talk about my pick, uh, Willie Adamas in the who who's my fifth round selection. So uh, went chalk there. Uh, obviously on the injured list right now, um, but I just. I love, I actually think that he was maybe even performing a little, that he'd been a little unlucky to date uh, in terms of the batting average and the power just really started to come on. Uh, I love the fact that he's going to be in that park for half his games and the the defense will keep him in the lineup. And you just kind of look at that organization. He's never going to be outside of like the top five of that lineup um, over these next two or three years. Uh, so that was sort of my, rationale um in terms of keeping adamas uh what what did you think about that one oh i, I mean i love the adamas selection i think it was one of the better ones um you know, obviously it's a shortstop uh middle infielder who's you know be, like you mentioned his defense is so fantastic that he's going to be locked and loaded hits in a very favorable home park um legit power in that bat you know 30 home run bat i think very easily uh how much Average he'll provide long-term, I think, is the big outstanding open question with him. Obviously, he's not hitting for a high average this year, just hitting 208. Um, the biggest concern I have that is consistent with a, over time with Adamus is just he doesn't make a boatload of contact. His contact rate is usually below 70%, and uh, you know he doesn't necessarily have the best uh, you know, weight discipline either. Uh, so the average just may get capped around 250. But if it's 250 with 30 home runs and stable over time, that's fantastic. All right. Well, I, I love hearing that. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, we have our final guest, our final team to talk about. Appreciate everyone uh, sticking with us through the technical difficulties. Uh, but Eric Cross from Fantrax, uh, we're going out with a bang. Uh, Shane McClanahan was your, your pick, uh, Eric, with your fan favorite selection. Uh, was that an easy call? Yeah, and I kind of thought it would be before you know we even had any games anyway. And you're looking ahead, like all right, McConaughey's probably in the you know the front runner here for the this designation, and then his performance so far this season just made that a slam dunk. Like he's gone from a guy that had ace potential to a an a actual ace top ten, maybe even to, like I have him as my number five dynasty arm right now. And I, I don't think that's egregious. Me I too. I think, that, I think there's plenty in that conversation that you could put, and I won't have any fault with any of those other decisions, but his combination of the, how the, low the ratios are now, the elite strikeouts, he's getting more ground balls. Like There's so many improvements he's making this year on top of you know that elite swing and miss stuff. So, yeah, it was a, kind of an easy call for me. Yeah, I moved him all the way up to 29. I saw you moved him up to 29, too. So, uh, <laughs> nice. Same, same right? Um I really am on board, 100%. I tried to get Shane McClanahan from you. I'm sure others did too, uh, <laughs> but you were not budging. Damn it! <laughs> no, no, not 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 on him. Others, oh. yes, I'll definitely. But yeah, he's a he's a guy I'm going to build that rotation around. He's just yeah. top five, the elite strikeouts. I think he's a, and I think he's here to stay. I don't think any of this is fluky. What kind of the underrated part of this kind of I won't call it a breakout because he already kind of broke out last year, but this continued breakout, so to speak, is that. As at least as of a few days ago, he had the second highest ground ball rate 
in for all qualified arms, only behind ground ball maestro Fram, uh, Framber Valdez. So it was like 62% or something like that. So uh, that's just a huge improvement as well. He's keeping the ball out of the air. Like it was just one of the issues with him last year. Yeah. And they got those three secondaries at all, all above 40% whiff rate. This is not up. a lot of, yeah, that changeup is, I don't think he's a lot of hit off the changeup unless he did. There was no hits allowed going into yesterday's start. So uh, I don't think if he didn't give up a hit on yesterday on the changeup, he still has zero hits allowed on that changeup. Yeah. I wrote season. about his changeup. I wrote about him a, a few weeks ago and that changeup in particular has had a lot of gains. You know, there's more separation from his fastball, more depth and more running action. And which is huge for a lefty. If lefties have fantastic changeups, they can run through righty lineups. And I think it's really elevated him. I mean, that changeup is one of the better it's playing as one of the best changeups in baseball this year. It has generated 51.5% whiffs this year. It's been fantastic. And I think that the development of the changeup has really transformed him as a starter. And of course, you know, his continued improved uh, control and command has been a big deal too. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I definitely wouldn't take any issue with having him as a top five dynasty arm. Uh, in fact, I think I'd actually take him. I, I saw you tweeted out like your top five. I think I'd actually take him ahead of Bueller and Woodruff. Dude, I almost did. Like, I think those three are close. I like, for me, it's Burns, slight gap coal slight gap and then those next three are all pretty like interchangeable at this point and with the way you know bueller's k's are down woodruff though i think he's gonna bounce back the metrics are better than the the surface stats uh, he's kind of having a down year and then mcclanahan could easily vault those two by next month's updated rankings for sure yeah he's in the same tier for me as yep. all as every single arm except for burns and it's just uh you know i legitimately could see him entering that burns tier in a month yeah or two absolutely. for sure absolutely yeah well, why can't he yeah i mean it's, it's tough i mean <laughs> it's i think the fastball right the fastball and how effective it can be in his command of it is the big thing like if he, yeah. can, if he can figure that out wow i mean he legit could be easily a number one pitcher in my mind i the agree o- the other guy i think is interesting in this discussion is alec manoa where like how do you think he's in the same tier as mcclanahan or is he a tier below for you guys for me, he's he's just a tier below just because I want to see him get like the, the ratio is absolutely on the same level. I don't just don't think he has that quite the same level of strikeout upside. We, we've seen he's definitely improved. Um, I'm actually not sure what Manoa's K rates at this year, but I think he's just a tick below uh, in terms of strikeout rate. So if he can get that K rate to tick up like you know, north of 30 percent, I definitely think that Manoa could get in that range for sure. I have him two tiers below McClanahan. Um I'm not like I know that James, you're a huge Akmanoa stan, and hey, that's been a huge win for you. But I'm very concerned about how Manoa can get lefties out because I mean his slider does is not effective against lefties, and he, his changeup is just not a good pitch. Still, it's still like borderline to below average offering, and his he has a huge split issues. Like lefties are crushing him, and. I think that's my concern. Like, if he can somehow solve lefties in in some way or neutralize them in some way, he has legit upside to get there because his fastball is taking a step forward this year, and that slider is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think his ticket into that conversation, uh, in addition to the um, further like solidifying that the changeup is like, if we look up at the end of the year and he's, uh, you know, at around 190 innings. Um, 195 innings and then some of the other guys we're talking about are more at like 170 innings uh like to me that's that's kind of maybe his ticket is just becoming like a real throwback workhorse uh and i i think that that's possible 
but I mean, from a stuff standpoint, I think, uh, yeah, you guys are spot on. And I mean, McClanahan, you know, that's, that's my big question is how many innings does McClanahan have at the end of the year? Uh, because we even had Burns, like as the top guy and he didn't even, he's not even proven that he's like a, a 190 inning guy yet. So, um, that'll be the the thing to watch, I think, uh, with with both those guys. And Eric, did you consider even for a moment to keep Dalton Varsho with this? So, I tried to get Dalton Varsho from you to potentially designate him, <laughs> um, but I, I imagine you didn't even consider him. Uh, it, sorry, you cut out. What was that, Jesse? Oh, sorry. Um, I was wondering if you considered Dalton Varsho at all uh, with this designation. I did, yeah. I was trying to find any others that could even be considered over McClanahan. Even I knew I was going to go with McClanahan. Um, I was looking at others, and I look at further down my draft board. Uh, next round, I, I took McClanahan in the fifth for reference. Uh, Sale was in the sixth. Varsho seventh. Uh, Jack Flaherty eighth. Marsh ninth. And then I went with some prospects after that. So the only other one that crossed my mind was Dalton Varsho. Uh, his blend of power speed obviously and it looks like he's gonna have catch eligibility at least for another year after getting um, retaining it this year with um, playing there more with Carson Kelly's injury so he, he did cross my mind but maybe if McClanahan was still like performing at 2021 levels maybe this could have been a closer decision for me but with McClanahan's ascension all the improvements he's made that kind of made it a no-brainer but yeah Varsho okay, take McClanahan off the board if I had to pick somebody else, like if, like if this destination was sixth round or later, I probably would have went with Dalton Varsho. I tried to get him for you, man. Try. I'm <laughs> and, still going to try. And Varsho not over. Varsho probably would have been definitely like available. A, he would have been like a top. Uh, I'm like looking at the list of fan favorites. You know, Varsho would have probably been a top twelve or so pick. Uh, yeah, of, probably of the fan favorite. So yeah, um, nice to have those options. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, you want to just kind of let people know uh, like what you got going on, where they can follow your work before we let you go? Yeah, for sure. It's a busy time of year. I got a weekly articles, two or three weekly articles out at Fantrax HQ. Got a waiver wire, prospect report, and weekly starting pitcher rankings. I also do a dynasty stock report every Monday over on Fantasy Pros, and then two Fantrax Toolshed episodes every, usually every Monday and, and Thursday. Sometimes we have to adjust that according to schedules, but yeah, two episodes a week there. So yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of fun stuff. No one hustles more, man. Crazy. <laughs> I, I, I love it. it. Makes it makes it easy. It makes it easy to hustle and grind when you love it. Like I obviously we all love baseball. That's why we're doing this, right? So when, when you love it and you have that passion for it, it makes that grind so much easier. Well, really appreciate it, Eric. Man, uh, have a good uh, rest of your week and and good luck in in all your leagues. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Thanks a lot, Eric. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, Jesse, again, I really just cannot thank you enough um, for, for steering the ship in these uh, these troubled waters over on my end of, of things. <laughs> hey, uh, it happens, man. I, I hope that the the finished product is uh, is fine and, and people find it useful, but uh, couldn't have done it without you, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, why don't you go ahead and, and let people know where they can find your stuff? Sure. I'm over at Baseball Prospectus. I do top 500 dynasty rankings and top 500 prospect rankings, as well as other articles detailing, you know, notable risers or followers, stack cast performers. Um, I follow, I have a lot of content that I put out on Twitter as well. You can follow me at J-A-R-O-C-H-E-6. Uh, I do a daily top prospect report, basically, that just details the top performances throughout the minor leagues, um, including, and I include my rankings of each player as well, the 
that's in that report. And I try and follow and detail a lot of pitching performances that you'll see in like low A and triple A where we do have access to StackS data. And I try to see as many games as I can uh, on MILBTV as well to see just for some pop-up arms. Awesome, man. Well, keep up the good work and uh, good luck in, in all your leagues uh, the rest of the way. Uh, this has been the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Again, look out for that update to the top 400 prospect rankings early next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.